get this sense of this force that's coming, this, you know, just coming and it's growing and it's growing louder and it's growing more forceful and it's, 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 it's overtaking the room. And that's really, uh, uh, it's, it's a powerful picture of the kingdom of God. It just starts small and it grows for, goes forward and uh, uh, increases and, and multiplies and, and that. And uh, I love that. So, um, yeah. Well, if, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Dave, and I serve as pastor here at the Bloomington Vineyard, and I am so glad that you have come here this morning and that you've decided to join us. This morning, we are going to talk about what we are all about. This local congregation, this local body of Christ, this local family, this local church, what it is that we are all about. We're going to look at the mission of the Bloomington Vineyard, and we're going to look at the vision for the kind of church that we must be in order to accomplish that mission. And I want to start right off the bat with a conversation that Jesus had with a man who approached him one day with a question. The man said, it's in Matthew 22, verse, starting in verse 36, says, Teacher, which is the most important commandment of the law of Moses? Now, we've talked about this a number of times, and we're going to continue to talk about it because this is, you know, what, what Jesus says here is so key and so core, not only to this church, but to the body of Christ as a whole. I tell people often that, that if you can get these two, the, what Jesus says here, if you can get that figured out, then that's all you have to worry about. If you can just do this, if you can and I can just do this, then we're, you know, it's, it's, that's all we need to worry about. And this is what Jesus said. He said, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. I think it's interesting to note that when asked about the most important commandment, Jesus' answer had to do with relationships. Our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Something I've said often here is that the kingdom of God is all about relationships. Relationships matter. God created us for relationship. God, you know, and, and relationship with Him and with others. And that's why our mission statement here at the Bloomington Vineyard reflects our value of, uh, of relationship. And that is that, you know, we are here to love God serve people, change lives. That's what we're all about. Loving God, serving people, and seeing lives changed. It begins, of course, with loving God, because without that, then there's, we have nothing. You know, without loving God and God loving us, then, you know, there's no point in being here. You and I are created for God to love. Did you realize that? God created you, God created me, so that he could love us, and then for us to love him in return. That's our first priority. Love God with our whole being, 
He created us to have relationship with him. And when we became estranged from him, when we became separated by our sin, he sought us out in the midst of our sin and he redeemed us. I love what Colossians 1.13 says. He rescued us. He delivered us. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And that's, that means the tyrannical rule. The tyrannical rule of darkness. And it set us in the kingdom of the son that he loves. I love that verse. We were dead in our sin and he came along and he breathed life into us. Giving us a hope giving us a purpose for our lives, and we love him for that. And that's the first part of our mission, is just to come and, and pour our hearts out in love to God. Second part flows from that. Because we love God, then we love the people that matter to him. Because we love him, we love the people that matter to him, and the people that matter to him matter to us. This is the loving your neighbor as yourself part. Now, I want to stipulate something. We're not talking about feelings. We're not talking about having warm fuzzies towards someone. We're talking about loving with actions. We're talking about doing. We're talking about a commitment to people that's translated uh, into actually, actually loving people by the things that we do, and that's where serving comes in. See, Jesus showed love by serving people. Did you realize that? It says that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Jesus showed love by humbling himself and serving people. See, he met people at the point of their need. He met people at the place of their pain, and he served them by meeting that need. He healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he delivered the oppressed, he embraced and restored the outcast. I remember the, the, the whole thing about Jesus going, you know, leper coming to Jesus and, and Jesus touching the leper, touching the untouchable and making him well again. That was about a whole lot more than just a physical healing. There was emotional and a relational healing in that as well. See, in all these things, Jesus was meeting someone at their point of need and he touched that need. He met that need. And that's what we do when we serve someone. We're meeting someone's need. We do that not because we're obligated to, not because we have to, but because we love the person. We love the person that we're serving. Something happens. <clears throat> Something happens when we serve someone. It opens a door, opens a door to the person's heart because it says, I care about you. It says, you matter to me because we're putting the other person ahead of ourselves. When you serve someone, you're coming beneath and you're putting that person ahead of yourself. You're putting their needs ahead of yours. Serving is an act of selflessness that puts the other person first, and that's what love does. It puts others before yourself, and it makes us more like Jesus, because that's what he did. That's what he was like. The result is that as we serve people, people's hearts become open to the gospel, and lives are changed. 
He servant serving opens a door to an encounter with God, and that's when lives change, when people encounter Jesus. So our vision for this church is to be a gathering of believers where, where all that can happen. We love God, we show people love by serving them, and as we do, we see lives changed. Now, specifically, that, ha- that means four things for this church. Four things about our, our, our vision for this church, because this needs to be the place. If that's going to happen, then this needs to be a place where everyone is welcome, and it is. Everyone is welcome, and that includes you. See, God's invitation goes out to all. God's invitation goes out to everyone. Everyone includes you. Revelation twenty two seventeen. I love this, says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. It's an invitation to anyone and everyone. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever your area of brokenness or struggle is, whatever you're in denial about, we've all been there at times, right? Whatever anyone else thinks of you, you are welcome to come and you won't be judged. Whatever you've been through, whatever ethnicity you are, whatever you're, whether you're struggling with an addiction or have never struggled with addiction, you're welcome here. Whether you're a coffee person or a tea person, you're welcome here. Whether you have a church background or no church background, first time in your life you've ever been in church, you're welcome here. Whether you're conservative or liberal, you're welcome here. Whether you're IndyCar or NASCAR, you're welcome here. Whatever team you root for, even if it's Purdue, you are welcome here. And, you know, I'm, I'm, we do have a few Purdue people here, and we're thinking about starting a recovery group for you. But you are welcome here. Legal, legal or illegal, you are welcome here. Everyone is welcome. And by that, I mean not only are you welcome to come to the door, but there's a seat waiting at the table for you. So pull up a chair and taste and see that the Lord is good. See for yourself. This is a place for you to belong. A family that wants you to be a part of it. Did you catch that? A family that wants you to be a part of it. So pull up a chair to the table. It's a safe place. It's a place that, that, that you can ask questions. It's a, safe that you can, a place that you can admit your doubts. Wherever you are in your journey, whether you have a relationship with Jesus or don't believe in him at all, you're welcome. Maybe you've been disillusioned. Maybe you've been hurt by someone else. You're welcome here. This is a place where we're interested in you. We are interested in your story, where you've come from and where you are. What this is not is a place where there are perfect people who have it all together and have it all figured out. It's not that place. What this is not is a place that there are never any struggles or difficulties or relational issues. It's not that place because we live in a real world. See, we're on a journey together, and we're walking together 
trying to follow in Jesus' footsteps. And we would love to have you join us on the journey and bring your friends, as many as you can. In John chapter 4, Jesus' disciples were off getting lunch, and um, Jesus had an encounter with a woman who had come to, the, to, to get water at a well. And she came at lunchtime in the middle of the day because it was after everybody else from town had come to get their water. All the other ladies, she'd come in the middle of the day because she'd had some struggles in her life. And she was pretty well known in town, and she really didn't want to hear the whispers. She didn't want to see the pointing fingers. She didn't want all of you know, uh, 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 the, the, the stares of people. She'd lived a rough life, and everybody in town knew about it. Well, in this encounter, Jesus starts talking to her and in the process reveals to her her life. Yeah, this is your situation. This is where you are. This is where you've been, and this is where you are. He reveals to her life, and he spoke about her brokenness, and he told her that she could have living water that could quench her deepest thirst and meet her deepest need. And this was her response. John 4, 28 says, The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone. Now, I want you to picture something. She had come there in the middle of the day when it wasn't the time that people normally came to get water because she was wanting to avoid people. Now, who's she going to? She's going to those same people that she wanted to avoid. She's going to them she, and you know, telling everyone, she says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see a man who read my mail. He knows all about me. He says, could he possibly be the Messiah? You know, she didn't have it all figured out. She didn't, you know, she's wondering, could this be him? And she's probably also wondering, if it's him, why is he talking to me? Could this possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She hadn't figured it all out, but she knew that there was something different about Jesus. So she ran back to her village and began to tell others. She recognized that there was something different about Jesus and went to invite others to come and to see for themselves. I want to encourage everyone here. Be like that woman. Be like that woman who didn't have it all figured out, but who went and brought others and said, hey, just come and check this out. See for yourself. Let Jesus speak into your life. Let Jesus speak into your brokenness and then go and tell others what he's saying and what he's doing. This is a place where it's not only for you, but for people that you know who also have questions and are looking for a place to belong. You don't have to have all the answers first. And I encourage you to be thinking about, who do you know that, that longs for a place to belong? Who do you know that longs for truth? Who do you know that's looking for answers? Invite them to come. Write down their name. Say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make an opportunity, and I'm going to talk to this person, and I'm going to let them, I'm, I'm going to have them come with me. Now, not somebody that you know that's already plugged into somewhere else, okay? 
say, well, I know this person. Man, I, I could ask them because they go to this church and they're serving there, so it's safe to ask them. No, it's not safe to ask them. They've got a place. They've got a church family. They've got a home. Look for somebody that's not going anywhere. Look for somebody that, that, that isn't plugged in. Look for somebody that's searching. Who do you know in your friends that, that is just sitting home by themselves right now? Say, hey, why don't you come next Sunday and come with me? This is a place where everyone is welcome. Second, this is a church where everyone is needed. That means you're needed. 1 Corinthians 12 says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There's different kinds of services, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in, in all of us. <clears throat> everyone has a place here. We all have a different gift, every one of us. We all have something different to contribute, and each one is important. Each one is valued. Each one is needed. See, when God created you, he puts something in you that is unique to you, something that he intends for you to share. There are no unnecessary people. None. You're here for a reason, and you're needed. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 21 says, The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Some people here have a very visible role. <clears throat> Others contribute in ways that are completely unseen. But one is not more important than the other, and none are unimportant. We've seen a number of lives changed, radical change in people's lives through this church. And when we see lives changed, it's not because of me standing up here talking. It's because of the faithfulness and the commitment of every one of our serve team members. You take our serve team out of the picture and nothing gets done. Lives don't get changed. You're needed. You may not think you make a difference, but you do. You make a difference, and that leads to the third thing it actually goes hand in hand with it, and that is that not only is everyone needed, but we have this thing we like to say around here, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. Some people have the idea that ministry is, is for the quote-unquote professional. You know, it's a minister's job. He's there to preach. He's there to minister to people. He's there to, you know, pray for people when they're sick. He's there to visit them in the hospital, uh, you know, and, and that is especially true in, in, in a more traditional church. But when you look at the Bible, it actually says the opposite. It actually turns this, you know, flips that argument around and on its head. In Ephesians 4, it says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And, and you know, actually, pastors and teachers aren't two separate things. That's one thing. It's, you know, in the Greek, it's pastor-teachers. 
Okay, so but 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 the leadership of the church, in other words, those that lead the church are, are, are gifts that Christ gave to the church. And then what does it say about them in verse 12? It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, according to the Apostle Paul, the responsibility of pastors and teachers and the leadership of the church is to train and equip you to do the work of the ministry. That means you get to play. This is a church that believes that the ministry is not just for a few people up front, not for a few people with a, a position or a title, it's for all of us. And it's something you know, we have said often, and it's actually an a, a, a earmark of the Vineyard Movement, and that is everyone gets to play. Everyone. There's not one guy up front that prays for everybody in this healing line. That's not our model. I'm not against somebody praying for everyone, but I think it's a whole lot better when you've got everyone praying for everyone. It's not one guy up front that prays for everyone. It's not one guy up front who prophesies over people. Over, over people, you get to pray and heal the sick. You get to receive prophetic words for people. You get to receive words of knowledge. You get to receive words of wisdom. You get to do the miracles. You get to, to, to uh, have the gift of faith operation, uh, operate in you. You get to do these things. You get to, to uh, 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 feed the hungry. You get to comfort the grieving. You get to share Jesus with somebody and see them come to faith. You want to know what I pray for on a regular basis? On a regular basis, I pray that God would release his gifts and his power, his gifts of healing, his working of miracles, gift of faith, prophecies, whatever, that God would release his gifts and release his power in this church through you. Through you. Not through me. I'm sure I'd love to, you know, see all of that more in my life. My prayer is that it would happen through you. When you ask for a miracle, when you pray for somebody who needs a miracle and you see it happen, when you pray for somebody that's sick and they are healed like that, that is my I, I, constant prayer is that God release these things through the church. Because I know that once you see what God can do through you, and once you start to believe what God can do through you, you'll never stop. You get to get in the game and you get to play. You don't have to just stand on the sidelines. You don't have to just sit on the bench. You get to play. And that's what, you know, one of the things that the School of, uh, School of Kingdom Ministry that we've got starting here soon, that's one of the things that that does is it helps you on your journey to reali realizing who God made you, and to help you get in the game and make the difference that he created you to make. Ephesians 4.16 says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. Everybody is needed. Everyone gets to play. This is describing a church where the, 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 the whole body is, 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 is in the game. And the whole body is ministering. The whole body is working together. Everybody doing their part. See, that's why we don't have volunteers. We don't have volunteers. 
We have a serve team, and there's a difference. We have a serve team. Volunteer is just someone that they say, oh, okay, I can do this. I can do this little thing here, and, you know, then they go home. A serve team is when people come together and serve together. They realize they're a part of something bigger, not just their little thing. I'm not, I'm not just, you know, volunteering and putting out bagels on Sunday morning and making coffee. I'm a part of this thing, and I'm working together with others to create a culture in this church. That's what it is. A serve team. What one part of the serve team does impacts the others, and everyone gets to play. If you're here and you've been here for a while and you need uh, uh, help finding a, a place on the serve team, talk to us. Let us know. Talk to Susie. She's been, you know, coordinating our serve team. Talk to me. We'll help you get you plugged in. But this is a place for you to get involved. Fourth part of our dream, fourth part of our vision is for this to be a place where everyone is changed. Everyone is changed. We like to say, come as you are, you'll be loved. And we mean that. We talk about this being a place where everyone is welcome, where, you know, and, 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 and you are. We mean that. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what kind of brokenness in your life, no matter what your struggles are, you're welcome to come as you are. But the good news is you don't have to stay as you are. Because Christ is in the business of changing lives. In 1978, I was yeah, ready to head into my senior year at the IU Business School. And I was, I'd been in church all my life, but I was as lost as I could be. I was as far from God as I could be. But when I had an encounter with Christ, I encountered him through a church full of people. It was a small church full of people that really cared about me and that loved me. And when that happened, I had a radical change in my life. I did a complete 180. Because I had an encounter with Christ through his church. And the people in that church probably didn't think anything about it and have no realized the impact that they've had for the kingdom of God. Because all they did was just love me. They were imperfect people that had their own set of struggles, their own set of issues, but they loved me. And they loved me right into the kingdom of God. I regularly contact that pastor and say, thank you. Thank you for the impact because you've changed the trajectory of my life. You've changed, and through that, you've changed the trajectory of of. Uh, uh, my family's life because you led a lot of you led a group of people to love me you don't have to stay the way you are Christ changes lives 2 Corinthians 5.17 says anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person the old life is gone new life has begun 
Christ makes you into a new person. In him, a new life has begun. God has always been in the business of changing lives, and he's not about to stop it now. Even the Old Testament, you know, I think of, of, of Samuel, what the prophet Samuel told Saul in 1 Samuel 10, 6. says, at that time, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will be changed into what? A better person? A more together person? No, a different person. Person. You will be changed into a different person. That's what God does. Romans 12, the Apostle Paul says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We're not talking about behavior modification where you stop this and start that. We're talking about a life transformation. It comes as we encounter Jesus and His Word begins to work in us. So our thinking begins to align to His truth. You know, some translations will call this the renewing of our minds. As our minds are renewed, our minds are transformed, our lives are transformed by beginning to think in accordance with God's truth. So that's who we are. You wonder, who is the Bloomington Vineyard? That's who we are. We're all about loving God and serving people and seeing lives changed. And this is a place where everyone is welcome, everyone is needed, everyone gets to play, and everyone is changed. And if that is you, if, if, if that's what you're looking for, then I want to invite you to get off the bench and into the game. See the difference that, that God can make in your life and be the difference in someone else's life. Or maybe you're here and nobody has ever told you that God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And you don't have to figure it all out first. You don't have to get your act together first. You don't have to clean up your life first. See, he does that. Maybe nobody's told you that you've not blown it and it's not too late. Maybe no one's invited you to the table and said, taste and see for yourself that the Lord is good. I want to give an invitation right now. I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. I don't want anybody moving around the back. Unless you're holding a baby, that's fine. <laughs> Babies are fun, <clears throat> I, and um, but I want to. If you've never felt like you've never gotten an invitation, I want to give that to you right now. Jesus died on the cross for you. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. In his death, he paid the price for your sin and took away your guilt and your shame. In his resurrection, he gives you new life. And, 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 and he did it all. All he asks of you is this. Trust in him and walk away from your sin. Have faith that what he did for you is enough. This is a gift that he's offering you. And if you're here and you've never received that gift, or if you're here and you have at one time, but you've kind of, as David was talking about earlier, kind of left that road and went your own way for a while. 
and want to come home. Maybe you're asking, can I come home? Am I still wanted? Yes. He still wants you. His arms are still out for you. If either of those scenarios are you, with nobody looking around, I want you to just raise your hand high in the air right now. Just slip it up. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. All right, you put your hands down. I want you to pray with me and I invite everyone to pray with me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you took away my sin. I believe you rose from the grave and I want the new life you offer me. So forgive me. Cleanse me. Fill me with your spirit and make me new. I want to get in the game. I want to come home. I want your arms to wrap around me now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you, it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop here. Get in this book. If you don't have one, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some out in the, at the Welcome Center. That, that, uh, they're free. You can have one. Get in this book, though. Read what he has to say. If you need help with getting started, let us know. We'd love to help you get started. But let him talk to you. Talk to him. Pour out your heart. Tell him your worries. Tell him your fears. Tell him what's going on in your life. Tell him your struggles. And then listen for him. Listen for his voice. Listen for him to speak to your heart. Stay connected with a group of believers that will encourage you, that are walking with you. It's a lot easier to walk along a road with somebody than it is to walk by yourself. Stay with a group of believers. And just keep putting one foot in front of the other. All right, let's stand. I'd like the worship team to come up.